Welcome to the Hunters and Unicorns 2020 Mastery Mission. Essential listening for sales professionals on the quest for mastery. Shorter episodes, huge impact. The 2020 Mastery Mission is sponsored by SOAP, the global recruitment partner for the Playbook community. Are you on the mission? Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the 2020 Mastery Mission. 20 topics, 20 guests for 20 minutes. We're here to unlock the tribal wisdom to help you get one step closer to mastery. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host, Oli Kune. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And we are absolutely delighted to welcome the legendary Keith Butler. Keith, welcome (laughs) to the show. (laughs) Thank you very much, guys. Good to see you guys again. Great to have you back on the show, Keith. Yeah, it's good to be here. Had fun last time. Let's do it again. <laughs> I'm very surprised you came back for round two. Yeah, but that's, me too. Uh... <laughs> the abuse I take from you. In the way of an introduction, Chief Revenue Officer at the absolute rocket ship, the next Sutter Hill Starship Enterprise that is observing an absolutely very very disruptive and exciting uh, company and with huge huge potential and of course Keith you are one of the original 33 CXOs from our from our very first series uh, two years ago you were quite early in this uh, in this journey of observing but um, I, I suppose just a bit of a, a, a bit of a background obviously you were part of that great success story at BMC blade logic PTC one of the most famous and uh, accomplished and revealed Canadian uh, sales executive leaders. Wow. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but thanks. <laughs> so I, I suppose just tell us a little bit about, you know, what's happening at, at Observe Inc. at the moment. Yeah, sure, man. Well, yeah, since the last time we talked, we've been, we've been super busy. You know, really working on just refining what we call our product market fit and, uh, and, and, you know, onboarding customers and, and, and the engineering team has been amazing, just cranking away and, and, and getting this thing ready. So um, it's been a ton of fun and we're getting super, super close. So the excitement is, is building. Absolutely. So we have 20 minutes. Please introduce your topic, Keith. My topic. Well, you guys wanted to talk about the um, getting to the economic buyer as, as kind of a, a skill and and maybe there's a couple of tips I could I could provide so I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to do that I think that's really what we're going to talk about but you got to be careful because I could go on for hours on 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 this one because it's like the pivotal point of our uh, of a sales of a sales campaign is is meeting the EB so um, anyway yeah I'm happy to talk about that amazing and I think uh, we can we can all talk about this subject so um, yeah now really exciting subject so look let's just start it off Keith why now more than ever is it so important to get to that EB as early as possible back in 2008 when when the the, the collapse happened you know the the EB shifted from you know IT executives to to the CFO and really in my career that was that was a pivotal moment because no longer could you sell on features and functions, you had to sell on, on business value. And therefore, getting to the EB was really the only way to get significant deals done, especially in, in the enterprise. I kind of feel like for totally different reasons, we're, we're getting, to the, getting to the same place. Briefly, you know, product-led growth has basically taken the leverage out of the technology process. 
you get leverage in in technology selling by you know demos and, and providing quotes and doing technical POCs, but in product led, all of that stuff is is kind of self service to the customer, and so the seller is kind of left with the decision: Do I really just kind of like get in the way of that process, or do I add unique value? And to me, you know, nothing's really changed in that in that regard. The best sellers in the world connect business pain and business problems to technology, and they kind of stand in the middle of that, as, as John Kaplan says all the time. And so getting to the EB is like, you know, square in the, in, in the enabling uh, portion of what a, what a great seller does today. And I think it's just accelerating now. So if you can't do that, uh, it's going to be real tough. If you can do it really well, it's going to be fantastic. You're going to have an amazing, you know, you're going to have an amazing run and an amazing career in what you're doing. So I think that's why, man. It's interesting that you say that obviously sales is now much more kind of product led. But if, if, sales, if sales professionals are able to close enough deals by just entertaining that product led sell, why is it important that they now start to go against that grain and elevate to, to kind of a, a more value sell? Well, there's, there's many. I mean, um, first of all, like if you, if you consider yourself a problem solver versus a flogger of technology. So your job basically being is to help your customer, help your champion win and, and solve problems. Okay. That's very different than, than being, you know, the front of a brochure. Okay. Where you introduce technology and introduce the SC and introduce, uh, the company and, and, and so on. You're the coordinator, the vendor. Um, those, those are very different. Okay, so so if, if if we if we establish that the th the thing is if you're going to solve a problem you got to get to the person that owns the problem if you're going to solve it and and do it effectively. So if if from your own perspective if you want to be efficient with your time, if you want to uh, to understand where you can win and where you're going to lose, get to the economic buyer as fast as possible so you can qualify to see if if the, if there's something to do there. You got to help your champion. Right. So your champion really at the end of the day is the person who's going to make this thing happen or not. And, and the person who, if you help win, you win. So if by helping them, you need to get to the economic buyer to help set them up to, for success. Those are the two big ones. And, and I suppose the ones that are actually getting to the economic buyers, are you saying that they're able to make more consistent money? You know, what, 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 what is the outcome of, of this me as a me as a seller what why should i you know how does it benefit me yeah that's that's almost asking you know i don't know why you need water <laughs> as a human being or something alive i mean to, like, so it's it's foundational to being effective at, at selling so it's hard for me to answer i think explicitly like that the the value is clearly you know if if, if as a seller you know, you see your job as, as, as solving problems and then maximizing the return on your energy, okay, on your, on your effort. You only have so much time, okay? So a lot of sellers spend a lot of time, a lot of wasted time chasing deals that don't, that don't happen. And the best way to shortcut that process, to understand exactly if there is a deal to be had, if there is a problem to solve, is to get to what we call the economic buyer, the person who owns the problem, right, at the top, and, and understand the problem, understand its priority, and understand if you can connect your technology to solving that problem. 
um, that is the number one thing that you can do to kind of get out fast if you, there's no deal or win a deal if, the, if, if, if there's something to be won. So, um, you know, one of the things that we used to do in the old days was really help organizations fix their POC conversion process. I've gone into companies where their, their, their POC execution rate was like 10%. So they do 10 POCs and they'd win one deal. I mean, just from like a pure, forget about selling, but from any process, if you put 10 things in and you get one out, that's terrible. Uh, that's terribly inefficient. For a seller, it means one in 10. For an SC, it means I spend 90% of my time wasted. If you do that at scale at an organization, it, you're he- it's, it's just you're heading for disaster. So getting that, reversing that to 9 of 10, and the number one thing you can do if you want to win 9 of 10 POCs is get to the economic buyer before you do all that technical work and figure out if there's a problem to solve and if you have alignment in solving the problem. Okay. Now, that's kind of in the, in, in the old kind of technical leverage type selling motion that you know we still use but it, 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 it in product led it's kind of changing it's, right today it's like connecting with a champion who's trying to solve a problem and getting to the economic buyer to ensure that all this really cool technical stuff they do uh, in the product led self-service stuff up front actually solves a problem that we should invest our organization to help them solve it is equally if not more powerful uh, in, in that. So for an individual seller, if, if, if you don't see that connection to your bottom line, um, I don't know how to help. Great. When is the right time? You say meet the economic buyer as early as possible. When is the right time? Can it be too early or, 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 or is there a perfect time? Um, there can be, it can be too early if you don't have really anything to talk about. So sure, it can be too early. But the more risk is that it's much too late. Because every meeting, every, all the work you're doing before you do that, if you think of the EB meeting as the pivotal moment in, in, a, in, a, in a campaign. Now, not just in the initial sell, but in, 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 the, long-term, in the long-term relationship and success of the customer. But that first EB meeting, you can't have a third one until you have a first one. So let's just focus on the first one. Yeah, it is the pivotal meeting that basically allows you to determine if there's a deal there that you should invest your company and your energy in or not. So yeah, earlier is better because earlier means I qualify earlier. Now, how do I know if I'm ready? Well, there's a whole set of skills associated with with getting ready to the EB. It starts with like this mindset of, you know, thinking about discovery, the discovery process as having a goal and a very succinct goal. I always ask my, my sellers, what's the purpose of discovery? And you get a lot of answers until we kind of narrow it down to really what the purpose is, is to get to the economic buyer with a well-defined problem that we can ask them if it's, if they understand it, if it's a priority and will they sponsor, will they sponsor the solving or the investigation of whether they can solve this problem? Okay. So getting ready for those three questions is what discovery is about. So when you have those, when you're, when you're ready, you're ready and you go as fast as you can. So tell us a little bit more about the agenda within that economic buyer meeting. I think you've just started to really touch on on some of the key the key components of that. But but can you can you expand on that? Let's let's maybe start with what what it's not, Uh, and then and then it'll be real easy to see what what it is. So it's not hey, would you like to see a demo of the product that you know our champion really likes, and do you have budget for it? 
And is there, do you have an initiative kind of ongoing around this area? Okay. And then, and then a lot of us talking back in the, back in the day, we kind of came up with like four major questions to, to ask an economic buyer. And this is kind of what I hinge kind of everything on is getting ready to ask these, these four questions, right? The first is like, do you understand the problem we are trying to solve? And, and does it connect to the business problem that that's most important to you? Okay, so the first thing is just like understanding and making sure we're aligned on the problem we're solving. And it's not a technical problem, it's a business problem. Okay, so at Observe, for example, those, 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 those questions simply are troubleshooting efficiency. Do you feel like it's hampering your ability to move very quickly in your DevOps process? MTTR is a mean time to repair is a kind of a metric that, that we talk a lot about and defining that metric in, ter- in, the, in the customer's terms is really important to, to, to them. It's, a, it's an example, okay? Once you align on the problem, the, the next one, is it a priority? Is solving this problem a high priority for you? Not stating this is a high priority because it's a high priority everywhere else. The question is for you, is it a high priority? Now, if I understand the problem and I'm an EB and it's a high priority, now I can start to think about the execution of solving this problem. And, and, and that is really, we've defined a, kind of a process for us to go through together. Sometimes it's, a, it's more of a structured POC, sometimes it's a detailed business case, but there's an event there that we're gonna go through to evaluate whether the technology can be, can be implemented or used. And will you sponsor that process? Meaning, will you help us keep this thing on the rails and, and keep it aligned to the business problem? So anytime uh, we see it going off the rail, um, which is really the fourth question, which is, which is, you know, can we come back to you and keep a dialogue going so that we can make sure we stay on track? So those four questions are kind of the structure of, of an economic buyer meeting. It doesn't have to be any more than that. It can be an hour, but can also be 10 minutes. Depends how well you're, you're ready to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You talk a lot about, you know, the difference between being able to therefore articulate hard dollar savings versus kind of flaky productivity metrics i suppose the context of what you've just shared that also starts to come into play as well to make sure you know the eb really cares about these things and the value proposition ties together so just kind of take us there and elaborate a little bit more on that please yeah sure uh it's actually one of the things that um early on in my in my management career i kind of became obsessed with in a way is that, you know, when you first become, when you're a rep, you meet the EB infrequently, okay? Because you have, you know, a handful of campaigns and those campaigns get, so you meet them infrequently. But as a manager, one of the ways you can really help is help reps in EB meetings. So you're in EB meetings all the time. And one thing I became, you know, painfully aware of was that like, they all, EBs tend to ask all the same questions. They they, they basically ask the five or six same questions um, over and over again, um, and it started to think, wow, well, that, that's really super interesting because way back when, when I was at Xerox, we had these like structured value propositions that were basically like a slide deck um, that we had that was basically built to answer a certain number of questions in order. And this is when this thing came together is guess what? Those questions they ask are aligned really well to the value proposition deck that we used to use back at Xerox. And so I basically kind of took that and, and turned it into like in, in, into these things. So think if you if you are an economic buyer, you know, the things you're thinking of, you get presented 
you know, let's just say dozens or hundreds of projects that you can pick. And let's say you could only pick 10 of those hundred that you get presented internally in, 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 in your company. Which ones do you pick? Well, you start with like, okay, do I understand the problem? <laughs> How high a priority is solving this problem to me and to my boss or to me and to the organization? And if it's high, I start to look at risk. Like, how risky is it to do to solve this problem? And that risk starts with a business case, you know. And the business case starts with hard dollar savings. How do I know I can get benefit? Or how do I define the benefit and how do I know I can get it? Well, if my benefit is soft and fluffy, like I want to make 100 people 10% more efficient so that I can kind of redeploy them to other more efficient tasks, that's okay, but that's, that's soft. And of those 100 projects, you know, let's just say they all have those soft benefits. Right? And EBs are very used to kind of seeing that type of benefit. But a hard, hard benefit is like something I can take to the bottom line right now. Okay, so for example, an easy one would be replacing a tool. I, I spend 50,000, I wanna spend 10, I can save 40,000 if I do that today. There, there's lots of, lots of things there. Now, so, so that, that's, the, that's the foundation. That, that's why the first layer of how as an EB I evaluate risk is like, what's the benefit, how hard is it? And then like, how sure am I gonna be to get it? How complicated is it to get? But the, the, the tip of that spear is like, is a hard dollar savings. If you're building business cases off soft dollar savings, you're one in 100. And, and it's, it's, it's just really hard for an EB to figure that out. So you got to figure out how to get hard dollar savings into your business case. And that's the beautiful thing I love about our value prop here at, at Observe is it's built off hard dollar savings. The, the foundation of the business case is always hard dollar. It's not fluffy. So, Keith, do you turn up in in that meeting with the hard dollar savings or do you turn up with the meeting to, to understand and discover further to come back with the hard dollar savings? Well, I, I would say you come with a hypothesis of the hard dollar savings, leaving it to the EB to kind of help shape that hypothesis. You don't want to show up to an EB meeting and say, hey, I want to do some I want to save you some hard dollars. How, do, how would I do that? You come up with a meeting and say, hey, we've built this hypothesis with our champion that basically says we could save you X. What do you think? Yeah. Why wouldn't you go in there and ask that question, Keith? Because EBs are really busy. They don't want to build a business case for you. That's your job, right? They, they're there to evaluate the project and determine if they're going to sponsor it because you're going to ask that third question, will you sponsor, right? So they're going to make that decision based on whether they want to get the value or not. If they got to go create the business case, they're going to look at the champ and you go, dude, like, I'm busy. What are you doing? So, so just in a competitive situation, Keith, we, we mentioned at the start that obviously technology solutions are quite product-led. Economic buyers are extremely busy. Why would they not just let the process continue as it needs to and let the IT teams deal with it and just be part of the final decision process. How are you able to get above the noise to actually insist on the EB and why would they entertain that? What's, you know, how would you position that? Um, it's a good question. So, I mean, at one level, I guess they wouldn't, you know, it's, it, they may not really care if their technical people go around and do a hundred projects and never really get them approved. 
but I, I actually think that that's not the case. They, they, they tend to really care about what their people are spending time on, and they want their people spending time on things that solve the problems. The problem is no one asks, right? No one aligns, right? No one aligns these things. And so when you ask, you actually get amazing results. They, they, they're not used to it. We used to say like, you know, out of a hundred, five people, five sellers actually ask these questions and, and run this and run this program in this way. So think of that one in 20 ask these questions. They're so used to showing up and getting demos and getting qualified and ask if they'll buy. When someone asks, you ask them if their organization is spending time on a priority problem and have we defined it properly, you'll be amazed at the change in, in, in behavior. You actually get engagement. It, it is absolutely remarkable. So, so Keith, lots of our viewers and our listeners, you, you, you have given us some, some real kind of tangibles, but could you perhaps just summarize, you know, what are the, what are the things that, you know, our listeners and our viewers should absolutely try relative to the things that we've spoken about today? Sure. Let me let me try let me let me start with some fluffy stuff and then I can get to the, get to the to the meeting because we what we spend a lot of time talking about at Deserve is what we call intent and it's basically what it sounds like is as a seller the the, the first thing you got to do to do this really well is have good intent okay and intent basically means what are you trying to accomplish what's your goal if your goal is to jam technology sell something hit your quota you're going to be very transparent to not just to the EB, to your champion, this whole process you're really gonna struggle with. You're gonna be fighting it. Having intent is really the, the, the concept that what you're really trying to do is help your champion win, okay? And, and when your champion wins, you win, okay? Now, that's a mindset thing. It's not, it's not a tactic. The good news is, is there, it's, it also is a skill. You can learn it. So we used to recruit for these things only. And we used to call it, you know, curiosity or urgent curiosity or infectious curiosity. And basically it was the, the, the same, the same, the same idea. Today, I think we can, we can, we can develop these skills um, in a certain subset that, we, that maybe before we, we would just try to recruit for. So that's kind of the first thing you got to get your head around is, is, is having really good intent because uh, it's, it's really transparent. So I don't know that that's a that's a precursor. We could probably do another session on that, but 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 that's the first thing. Then after that, when your intent's good, your technique is not so important. Um, you can kind of step all over it, but if your intent's good, you you can you can kind of run this run this play effectively. Now, once once you have it and you work on the skill, uh, I would try a couple really kind of simple things in concept, but sometimes hard to do. Create a value hypothesis with your champion. A couple sentences to start with, which defines the problem that you're trying to solve, and it can't be fluffy. Try to make it very specific, and if you if you can exemplify it with with some metrics, at, after you describe it, you, you've you've made it specific enough, and that is the that is the kind of the anchor which you're going to go to the EB with. That is this this is the problem, Mr. Economic Buyer, that or Mrs. Economic Buyer, that I'm trying to solve. And do you, do you understand it? Do you agree with it? Does it make sense? How would you change it? Okay, that will get the conversation going in an amazing way. Um, that is the first thing. Now, it seems easy. It's sometimes difficult to do to get it right. The beautiful thing is it's kind of a win-win. If you ask the question, if, if you get it right, well, you got it right. 
that's nice. You, you can impress somebody that you got it right. If you get it wrong, they're going to fix it for you. And you win too. So um, that's, that's kind of the first, the first big thing, I would say, to, 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 to get right. Tactically, you know, building a value proposition that kind of starts with these questions, right? And, and when you do that and you kind of slow down for it, you really think it through, you build a, a deck that tries to address these questions and work with your, your champion to build it, um, amazing things will happen. You will uncover pain, problems, metrics, all kinds of goodness that, that you can use uh, for the economic buyer. And the third thing I'd say is just start with the end in mind. The end in mind being I need to get through this discovery process as quickly and as thoroughly as, as possible so I can get to the economic buyer. That is my goal. Not to get it, not to avoid the economic buyer, not to dry, jam a small deal without the economic buyer's knowledge or understanding or buy-in because somehow you think that's more efficient. But to get there, do it right, pull that slingshot back so you can be really, really effective. Uh, and I think, guys, like, let me jump on my soapbox for one sec. That is timeless. That skill as a seller is timeless. That doesn't matter what the economic condition is. It doesn't matter if it's product-led or sales-led or any of this stuff. Being able to do that as a seller is, is differentiated. It's unique, and you will have an amazing career for here till the end of, till the end of selling enterprise software. An amazing, amazing, amazing place to stop there, uh, Keith. I think, you know, in summary, what we've heard today is that, especially in, a, in, in what has become a much more transactional um, kind of technology-led economy right now, there is even more need to be able to really stand stand tall above that and, and you know, to quote John McMahon, get above, uh, get above the noise. And, and that's why this meeting with the economic buyer is so fundamental. I think we've heard some incredible um, advice there, which which will hopefully help our listeners and our viewers really understand how they can become more efficient, how they can get to that yes a lot earlier, but also, as you say, get out of the deal earlier if there's no deal to be had. And I think that's equally important. So I think it's been an absolutely fascinating and incredibly valuable um, session today, Keith. And we are absolutely so thankful for you taking the time and and the courage to return, um, having experienced this once before. So, I don't think it takes courage, Simon. Uh, Come on. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no, that's cool. You guys got me all fired up now. So there's actually two two quick things I want I want I want to I want to say on this topic. One before we before we leave is one is like don't get in the way. Don't stick this process in the way of you know if you work for a, if you're in a product led environment don't get in the way of 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 it don't like be the guy who puts the hockey sticks in the spoke and slows down all that great motion like you said Simon get above it right enable it uh, allow it to work and take leverage from it don't 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 stop it and slow it down and the other thing you said there which is the other another thing i really believe amy duke wrote that book on poker about you know who's the first the, the winners of a poker hand it's the winner and the first out uh and and we and we really we talk about that getting out first means and getting out for the right reasons that there's no alignment to solve a problem is a great thing uh and and getting there is 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 huge for your your sales efficiency as a seller uh, being okay with that 
but asking those tough questions to the economic buyer will really help you out. So you guys better put a cork in me or we're going to keep going. Uh, we're going to keep going. <laughs> we can keep going, Keith. <laughs> we can keep going. But look, I think, you know, this has been an absolutely inspirational session as ever. Um, I think if you haven't, to the, I suppose, reaching out to the viewers here, if you haven't heard Rob Watson's um, episode here on the win-win, I think Keith and Rob driving on so many parallels to his episode, which was the win-win, that will be very influential in, 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 in I suppose, extending on this on this episode here and, and this mastery mission. So, um, yeah, Keith, really appreciate you coming back on the show. It's been absolutely fantastic. We've loved having you here. Um, it's been great as yeah, always. It's been fun. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. So to all our viewers and listeners, we hope you have enjoyed the session. Um, if you've liked what you've heard, please do like, share, comment. But a big thank you to the legend that is Keith Butler. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. We hope and we look forward to welcoming everybody back to another mastery session soon. Thank you so much. Have you enjoyed the session today? Be sure to let us know how you got on with the tips and please help others discover our series by sharing and liking our content. Are you on the mission? The 2020 Mastery Mission is brought to you by SOAP, the global recruitment partner for the Playbook community. Check out somuchsoap.com for more information.